online crossroads fame glad that you're here with us this is kenny and we are finishing up a series that started uh, well over a month ago when we were doing the 23rd psalm it was supposed to be the last one of our school year and you know sometimes things just don't work out well but tonight we are finishing that series uh tonight we're looking at the last two words we combine these two words because there's so much importance in when david was saying my shepherd there's an ownership there, and tonight that's what we're going to be digging in. So glad that you're here with us. Uh, click that subscri subscribe button when you're done. Uh, we would love to to have you part of the Crossroads Online family. And uh, as always, man, just welcome to Crossroads. Uh, give me a little bit of time. We'll get you out of here. First and foremost to our seventh graders. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, to our leaders for our beach retreat, I need y'all to hang out just a minute afterwards. Just Go to my office if you would, because I need to talk to you about something. Anyway, um, very excited tonight is we are finishing up this series. Not excited that we're finishing the series, but uh, this has been one of those series that seems like it's drug and drug and drug and drug and drug just because it's been broken up so much. And tonight we're actually taking the last two words. And just to catch everyone up and to tell it for the very last time, uh, the story about how this all came about, five has been a very prominent number in Crossroads this year. Uh, there is a story about this wall that has the number five in it. Brian and I were talking the other night. When we first installed this wall, we were so excited and that was going to be the focus and we've not even talked about the wall yet. Uh, but we're going to get to that at some point. I don't think it's going anywhere. So <laughs> we're, we've got plenty of time. Uh, but we started looking at the 23rd Psalm. And the, the last or the first five words of this passage of the Lord is my shepherd. And just to catch us all back up, there was that chaplain during World War I. And as he told his soldiers, the Lord is my shepherd. He started expressing the importance of each one. And tonight we're going to look at my shepherd. Those two words are going together, not so we can just finish the series, but because it's very important that those two words are together. And so as we're thinking about that, we wanted to get into the heart of why David was saying what he said. Why would David write this passage? Why was, why was this such a strong part of what he had to say? And of course, he's writing from a shepherd's perspective because that's what he was. We all know who David is. David was chosen as a child to become the king. Uh, he killed Goliath. He was chosen by God to be that king. He becomes the king. Um, he had an affair with Bathsheba. Uh, he actually had Bathsheba's husband killed uh, because he sent him to the front of the battle. Uh, he ran from his life from Saul before all of that. There were so many things that we find out about David, but as we find out the heart of who he was, he realized how far he had gone from God. And when he got to that place, he realized he was so far away from God. He felt like, felt like he was all alone in a desert, but he knew that God had not left him. God did not desert him. And so he turned his life back to God, gave his life to God, made a recommitment for what Baptists would call today, for what many church people call today, a rededication, but a true dedication of his life to God. And he was considered to be a man after God's own heart. And as he's writing this passage, he goes back and reflecting because many of the people that would hear this message were shepherds. And so he wanted to write in a language that everyone would understand. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And of course, we, we looked at thee, that it's a specific God, the God, the Lord, the Lord of all creation. He is, not he was, not he will be, he is. And then my shepherd. When we hear the word my, of course, we think of ownership. From the time you were a little kid, my has been part of your vocabulary. When you look at a toy, it's my toy. Uh, it's my mama, my daddy, my clothes. As you get older, even though you might not have purchased things, things that were given to you immediately become yours. My shoes, my clothes, my phone, my computer, my car. And when we get those things, we take 
extraordinary care of them for a, for a period. If our shoes get dirty, we're quick to clean them. Barrett got new soccer cleats. Barrett, I'm not going to embarrass you, but you got new soccer cleats. And as we're outside one day, um, our dog and our neighbor dog, they're buddies, and they like to dig. And they dig by our house in a corner that's under a porch. And so as they dig, I don't... I, I don't know how they've done it because it's about this deep. If I were to crawl down in that hole, it'd be about that deep. And so they've dug this monster hole and one of Barrett's soccer balls was in there. And he said, oh, it's just a soccer ball. I said, well, it's just to go get it because somebody bought that. So go get it. And so he crawls down in there with his new soccer shoes and he's going head first. He said, I can almost see it. <laughs> I said, should we just drill a hole in the basement and pull it out that way? He said, that might be easier. But as he's going into the hole, I start seeing his feet going up and I was like, oh, he's about to drop. Jessica's going to have to go in and get him. <laughs> I ain't going in there. That's a long way down. It could be the boogeyman down there or something. But as he's going down, when he starts to come back up, he's digging, 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 trying to get out, and he got his shoes dirty, brand new shoes. Hadn't even had to practice yet. And I said, take those shoes in there and get them cleaned up. And he walked in and said, how do I clean these shoes off? I said, give them to your mama. We take care of that. When we got a new jacket, we don't just throw it down. We get that new jacket. We take care of it. Years ago, um, we were at a conference and a, a man from our church bought me a leather jacket while we were at this conference. It was a Tennessee jacket. I'm a Tennessee fan. And he bought me a Tennessee jacket, leather jacket. It is, to me, it's beautiful. To y'all, you would throw up. But it's okay. It's mine. You don't have to wear it. And I took so good care of that thing. And I was very careful with it. And when I would lay it down, I laid it down carefully. I took care of it. When you get something new, you take care of it. Y'all remember the first time you got a cell phone? Boy, I do. It was a Zach Morris phone. It was about the size of this keyboard. And it was huge. Hello. But when we get our phones, we're very careful with them. If there's a smudge on it, we're constantly cleaning it. And we do everything we can to take care of it. When you get a car, whether it's new or it's a new-to-you car, we take extra care of it because it's something that is precious to us. It's something that we cherish for a season. But before long, the shoes get dirty. And they're not that precious to us anymore. Before long, the jacket gets thrown down somewhere or misplaced even. Before long, that phone, it's got a scratch or it's got a cracked screen, and it's not that big of a deal. It still works, but, you know, it's just not that good anymore. Or maybe our car is, is dirty, and we're like, ah, I'll clean it later. What is it that makes something that was so important to us for a season not important anymore? Is it because we see something else that, that attracts us, that grabs our attention, and we think, ooh, that's what I want now? As soon as we get a phone, there's a new phone that we need to have. We just, I've got to have that. As soon as you get a computer, the next day a better computer is built. As soon as you get a car, someone else is going to come up with a nicer car. As soon as we find the thing that we think is going to bring us fulfillment, we realize that it's just an empty feeling because it really didn't fulfill us the way we thought that it would. And unfortunately for some of you, you've treated God the same way. You see, there was a time when God came into your life. He knocked on your heart's door and you felt the tugging of your heart and you opened up your life to God and you said, God, today I surrender to you. And he became the leader of your life. He became, as David was saying, your shepherd. And he was your shepherd. And you felt the beauty of God's love through who God is, through creation. As you looked out, you could see how God's handprint was on everything that was made. You thought about the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross and it became a precious thing to you. Not that you were happy that he died, but you were so grateful that he sacrificed himself for you. And it was something that was special to you. You felt the comfort of the Holy Spirit come into your life and it was special to you. It was precious to you. 
But like so many things that are in your life today, before long, the specialness of it wears off. We were having a discussion, uh, the, the church that we work with in New York, when Jessica and, and I have been up there a couple of times when it's not been a mission trip, and they do communion up there every time we've been. Did they do communion the last time we were up there? I don't think they did. But anyway, they used to do communion every Sunday. And we had a discussion, should you do communion every Sunday? And sorry, I'm scratching a lot. I guess I've got fleas. Um, but, you know, to me, a communion time is a very special time. And to me, if I did it all the time, it wouldn't be special. If you had Christmas every day, it wouldn't be special. One, you wouldn't get that many gifts every day. But if you're doing it every day, it becomes where it's not that special to you. And for a lot of you and a lot of us, God has become something that's not that special to us anymore. It's a decision that we made. It's something that we did and not necessarily something we've become. And that's what I want us to focus on tonight because when, when David is saying the Lord is my shepherd, he's talking about a personal shepherd. It's a personal relationship that I'm in. It's not the relationship that my father has. It's not the relationship that my friends have. It's not the relationship that the army might have. It's a relationship that I have. By the way, happy birthday to the army today. I just read that today. Sorry, I get distracted with Coach over there. Um, what were we talking about? His relationship. His personal relationship with the Lord. And that's why it was something that was so important. And we find that so many times that relationship is something that we don't necessarily have because we never truly cherished that opportunity to be with Christ, that opportunity to sit at the foot of God and feel His presence, to listen to the Holy Spirit as He knocks on our heart's door. It was something that was special to us, yet we didn't take advantage of the opportunity to develop that relationship. Maybe we made that decision and before we knew it, there was something else that flashed in front of our eyes and we felt we had to go there. There was another social cause that rose up and we felt we needed to be there. There, there was opinions made and we, we wanted to, to be there. There were, there were boyfriends or girlfriends or jobs or whatever it was. And it distracted us from that true love that we had. What made it where it wasn't special to us anymore? What made it to where we deserted that first love? Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. When we make the statement that maybe that was something that you did and not something you became, a lot of times there I've dealt with teenagers for years and adults as well. And a lot of times I've talked with adults that have come and made a profession of faith. And they said, when I was a child, I did this, but I didn't really understand what it meant. And I said, all right, explain to me what that means. And they said, I felt a tugging at my heart. I knew that, that God was dealing with me, but I didn't understand the gravity of what I was doing. And I repeated words that someone said to me, but I never really meant it. Because all I was doing was just repeating what he said. And I'm not, I'm not asking anyone to question their faith. But the thing is, is repeating a certain passage, repeating a certain scripted prayer doesn't mean it's coming from you. When I was a kid, mom taught me this song. and No, it was my grandmother. And I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to speak it because you're not ready to hear me sing. He said, I see the moon and the moon sees me. God bless the moon and God bless me. And as I would say that song, as we would go outside and look up 
at the sky. My grandmother would say, Kenny, can you sing that song? And I would sing it with all of my heart. And I would sing with everything that I was. But it wasn't really me. It was something that was pleasing to my grandmother. And unfortunately for some of us, maybe we've made a decision about who God is to please someone else. And in your teenage years, at some point, you've got to decide for yourself what you truly believe. And that's what we try to do here at Crossroad is to open your eyes to the beauty of what God is. Because if you just did something, if you just said something and you didn't become a follower of Christ, there's a difference. You see, when you become something, it changes you. It changes you. At some point, guys, you're going to become a husband, and it's going to change you. One of my favorite things to do is to listen to young men go, I'll tell you what, when I get married, I ain't going to change. Pfft. Yeah, right. First change is you're going to get in your shower, and there's going to be 38 different kinds of shampoo. And then you're going to look at the medicine cabinet, and there's going to be 47 different flavors of, I don't guess it's flavors, scents of lotions. There's going to be stuff in your refrigerator that you have no idea what it is. My wife makes something called fluff. And I don't know what it is other than... <laughs> I changed when we got married. I changed. And you know what, ladies? <laughs> you're going to change too. Because at some point, you're going to watch somebody from Alaska. Because your husband's going to sit down and watch something from Alaska, probably. And you'll send them a picture of some crazy-looking woman from Alaska. It's crazy. My wife's weird. You change. When that day comes, and if God were to bless you, and you were to be married, and God were to bless you with a child... You're going to change. When you become something, when you become a spouse, a husband or a wife, you change. When you become a parent, you change. When you become a follower of Christ, there has to be a change in your life. Getting a t-shirt, getting a, getting a car, getting a house, that's not necessarily going to change you. It's going to make things in your life change, but it doesn't necessarily change the innermost part, innermost being of who you are. But when you become a follower of Christ, there's a change that takes place, in, place inside of you. And the question is, is, has that change ever truly happened to you? As David is saying this passage of Scripture, he's saying the Lord is my shepherd. I want all the shepherds to understand that we understand what a shepherd is, but this one is my personal shepherd. There's been something that changed in my life. And, and of course, if anyone had been around David, they knew his story. They knew that he was a kid. They knew that Jesse was his father. They knew that he had all these older brothers. They knew that at some point, Jesse told his son, David, go to the battle, take this food to your brothers. They knew that he got to the battle. He said, who's that guy over there talking about our God? And he said, he ain't going to talk about my God that way. And he goes and kills Goliath. They know that story. They know the story that David was the king. They know the story that as he walked into the streets that everyone sang his praises. They knew the story about Bathsheba. They knew the story about him sending Bathsheba's husband to the front line. And he wanted them to say, yes, all that's true. But the Lord is my shepherd. There's been a change in who I am because I have given my life. I didn't say words. He became my Savior. He became my Lord. And that's the thing I want us to get our minds wrapped around. Is as David's saying this, it's not just something he's saying. It's something that truly spoke to who he actually was. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Someone read that for us, please. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, part of Brother James' life verse. Brother James mentions this verse a good bit. He actually spoke on it Sunday night. 
trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And he will go on and say, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct it your path. Because <laughs> he speaks in King James. But trust the Lord with all your heart. And I want you to understand that that's something that you read in the Bible. That's something that you hear, but it's something that only you can do. And as David has made this decision that God is his shepherd, there is some trust that has to be built into that. There's trust that has to come into that. And the only way that you can truly trust something is to spend time with it and understand fully what it does, fully what it means. The only way I can trust what my car is going to do is I have to drive it. Uh, if, I, if I want to, to experience the brakes, I have to push on the brake. If I want to experience the bass, I have to turn up the woofers. If I want to experience rain blowing on my face, I have to drive it when it rains. Things that we, we want to experience, things that we want to understand, we have to experience it. Um, when Jessica and I were living in town, uh, the phone rings about 3 o'clock one morning. And um, when, when we get a phone call, when I get a phone call in the middle of the night, I'm horrified because I wonder what's happened to one of you. I wonder what's happened to my family. At this time, my mother and father were both alive, but my mother was sick during this time. And so I was just, as soon as the phone rang, I thought, well, here it is. And at 3 o'clock in the morning is not the best time to have a conversation on the phone. But at 3 in the morning, the phone rings, and I pick it up, and I try to get out so I don't keep or wake Jessica up any more than she already is. And I, in the best Batman voice, I can, hello. And I hear this on the other end of the phone. Greetings from Baghdad. And I'm standing in the kitchen with my eyes closed, and our kitchen is just nothing but windows. And I opened up my eyes to see if somebody was standing outside messing with me. Over the years, I've had several students who have gone into the military. Uh, one of my dear friends who was one of our students named Philip, and Philip had joined the Marine Corps, and he was a sniper for the Marine Corps. And he called at 3 o'clock in the morning to say, hey, <laughs> I said, um, what? He said, greetings from Baghdad. And I said, what? He said, Kenny, it's Philip. And I was like, oh, oh, like Baghdad, Baghdad. He said, yeah, you know where it is? No, uh, it's not here. What are you doing? He said, that's the middle of the day over here. He said, I know it's like, what is it, three in the morning over there? I said, yeah, you jerk. He said, man, don't be like that. I just want to call you and tell you I love you. And I was like, okay. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm seriously, man. He said, uh, just had something happen. Can't really go into any detail, but I just wanted to call and tell you that I was thinking about you, and I love you. And I said, man, I love you too. Is everything good? He said, that's all I got to say. Um, I'll see you when I get home. And I hung up the phone, and I go crawl back in the bed, wide awake, and just like, who's that? I said, it was Philip. She said, what, what Philip? I said, yeah, he was calling from Baghdad. Uh. <clears throat> she was gone. <laughs> I stayed awake the rest of the time, just going, man. Because I, I thought about when I go places, you know, it's, it's different. You see different things. But here's Philip in a foreign land, and he's a sniper. And if you don't know what a sniper is, talk to Cole. No, don't just talk to Cole later. Cole, well, first thing you do is you get their eyes. and then you, No, so you talk to him later. He's all in the military stuff. Um, but I know what his job is. And when he said, I just had something go down, I knew what that meant. And I'm thinking about how crazy it must have been. And so when he gets home, I'm at the church. He calls. I might have still been cutting grass at the time. I can't even remember. But he got in touch with me. I said, dude, where are you now? He says, I'm in Clinton, Alabama. No, I'm in Verbena. He lives in Verbena. I was like, well, 
why are you in Verbena? He said, because they don't shoot at you here. And I said, well, what are you doing? He said, I thought maybe we could have that steak dinner you promised me. I said, come on. So he came and jumped in my car or Jeep or whatever. I was driving at the time, and we took off to get a steak. And I was sitting there talking with him. And I said, I'm not going to ask you a whole lot about what went on over there. But what went on over there? And he said, well, he said, Ken, there's a lot of stuff I can't talk to you about. And he said, that's not one of these macho things. He said, I just... One, I don't have clearance to talk to you about some of the stuff. Two, I can't talk about it because of the way it affected me. He said, but uh, I saw a lot of things. And I said, well, let's get off that subject altogether. What was the craziest thing you saw? And then I stopped myself. No, no, no. What was the neatest thing? You and I'm like, you're a Marine. Neat to use weird. So um, did you see anything good? And he was like, oh, man, the children over there. He said, they were so awesome. Just see the little kids run up and, you know, we always had candy in our pocket and you reach in your pocket and you hand some candy out. He said, you had to be careful because if you saw a kid coming up and they had like this, you knew that they had a bomb on them so you wouldn't give them candy because they're going to blow you up. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And we're saying this inside a restaurant and there are older people going, oh my dear Jesus. <laughs> you know, they're freaking out and I'm, I'm sweating bullets. I'm looking for little children that are <laughs> so I'm, I'm wigging out. But I said, tell me this. What did you do most of the time when you were there? And I said, if you tell me you've just been killing folks, I don't want to hear that. He said, seriously, Kenny, the thing I did the most is clean my gun. And I said, you cleaned your gun? He said, excuse me, I cleaned my weapon. And I said, okay. I said, okay. He said, you don't understand. He said, there's sand over there. I said, oh, I get it. And sand. He said, no, you don't get it. He said, their sand is like a powder. And he said, it gets everywhere. And that's not good for any kind of machinery. He said, we would have vehicles break down simply because they had too much sand in parts. He said, you physically would break down if you didn't change your socks constantly because the sand would get in there and you start developing blisters. And before long, you're in the uh, sick bay because you can't walk anymore. He said, but my weapon, he said, I understood that it had to stay clean because if it didn't, it could be a fatal mistake. And he said, I was constantly taking that weapon apart. And I was constantly polishing the things that needed to be polished. And I was constantly looking into it to see and make sure that it was clean and functional. And I would oil what needed to be oiled. And he said, we'd go out on patrol and we'd make our patrol. And when I would come back, the first thing I would do after I got something to drink is I would sit down on my cot and I would break my weapon apart and I would start cleaning it again. He says, every day, two or three times a day, that's what I was doing. And I was like, why? I mean, did it get that dirty? He says, well... I don't know that it was that dirty, but I knew I wanted it to work perfectly. So I spent great care making sure it was functional. Every day, two or three times a day, he understood the importance of that weapon. And he would take care of that weapon. That weapon was protection for him. It was hope for him. It was, it was hope for people around him. It was protection for his future. It was so much to him. Well, what about God in our lives? Do we understand how important it is to, to make sure we're having that relationship with the shepherd? Are we spending that time with him daily, digging into what he has written for us? These truths were written thousands of years ago, so you might have guidance for today. Yet if we never open it up, we never understand the protection and the hope that's found in these words. And as David says, the Lord is my shepherd, that shepherd is something that leads us. Of course, we've talked about the sheep. And a sheep is considered to be one of the dumbest animals, just, just a little bit below me in intelligence. 
They're one of the dumbest animals. And that sheep would wander off if it weren't for that shepherd that would bring it back. And God created us. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The God of all creation is my shepherd. That shepherd is one that is going to lead me. A sheep doesn't know where it needs to eat. The shepherd knows where to take it. A sheep doesn't know where it needs to drink. A, a shepherd would know where to take it. A sheep doesn't know where it needs to rest. A shepherd would take it to the... A sheep doesn't understand that there are predators out there that come at us and, or come at the sheep at the least expected time, but yet the shepherd understands that and it protects it. And the God of all creation is our shepherd or can be our shepherd. Do you understand how important it is to spend time with that shepherd? Because as dumb as a sheep might be, all the shepherd has to do is call it. And that sheep knows exactly where to go. The story is of four shepherds. And as they're getting together with their different flocks, the flocks start to mingle together. And a young shepherd walks up and says, oh, you have so many sheep. And he said, no, this is four of our sheep. There's four of us. And all of our sheep have come together. He said, well, how are you going to sort them out? There's not any tags on them. They don't, they're not different colors. How are you going to sort them out? He says, my sheep know who I am. And the shepherd just kind of laughed at him and said, well, you just probably lost your job because you're going to lose all your sheep. And he starts walking away and he calls his sheep and each one of them line up and follow right in line. And the other three are just all, the other three herds are just sitting there. Flocks, not herds. They're all just sitting there. And all of a sudden another shepherd walks in a different direction. He starts making his call and his sheep come to him. You see, those sheep understand who the shepherd is because they are constantly spending time with him. And God has something for you. He's got something he wants to tell you in a voice that is unmistakably God. But the only way you're going to understand that voice is if you spend time listening to his voice. And the best way we can do that is to make him our shepherd and to spend time with him. Understanding that is not just our protection. It's not just our comfort. It's our eternity. Can you truly say that the Lord is your shepherd? David makes this statement, and it should be a statement that we would be able to say as well, that the Lord is my shepherd. Not my friends necessarily. It's not their relationship. It's my relationship. Let's pray. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime.